It is Tuesday the 8th of October, I'm your host Ryan Kier, and this is the Quantum Cast. Welcome back to another edition of the Quantum Cast. Yesterday we were talking about historical investment returns. Well it seems that today we're going to be building on that. Mentioning things like inflation, the value of cash and other ideas. So by using data from the Credit Suisse Global Investment Returns Sourcebook 2015 edition, we can see that the best case compiled scenario for cash from 1900 to 2014 shows a depreciation of 2.2% per year. The worst case scenario is 100%, but that includes West Germany in, I believe, 1922 or 1929. So we've just excluded that from our measure. We're more so looking at the majority of developed markets, you know, UK, US, Canada, etc. What we should look at though now is the compiled real returns of equities, which actually stand out when measured against any of the previous asset classes that we've mentioned in our recent set of episodes of the Quantum Cars, such as bonds, bills, and cash. And if we use the source from Dimson, Marsh and Staunton in 2002 and the updated data from Triumph of the Optimist. We can actually note some examples from 1900 to 2014 of some annual or more so average annual real returns on equities across 23 different countries in this data set. And we could be looking at individual countries such as South Africa at 7.4%. They're the highest performer in that data set that we're quoting from. And Italy at 1.9%, the lowest performer of the CSRI data set. The median figure, if we look across the data set, stood at 4.8%, just above the average figure of 4.7%. And an important observation would be seen through the average inflation figures for South Africa and Italy, which were actually estimated to be around 4.9% and 8.7% respectively. Do note that South Africa had actually been the highest performer, but not so much of a figure in terms of inflation. I mean, 7.4% real equity returns a year, so this is already taken into account inflation, but with 4.9% inflation per year, and Italy at 1.9% real equity returns, but 8.2% on average per year in inflation. That's a bit crazy. We could try and analyze this whole issue further by looking at countries like the US and the UK. In fact, these figures actually do indicate a couple of issues, one of which is coping with high levels of volatility. Because when you have a lot of volatility, in other words, very frequent fluctuations in the valuation of an asset, you likely have more problems in your equity markets. It's, it's almost like a perfect correlation. Volatility results in issues with investor confidence or just fluctuations with investor confidence levels a lot of the time. And uh, we could also assume that volatility levels in terms of equities in more developed markets such as the US and the UK are much lower than the likes of South Africa and Italy, despite South Africa being the outperformer of the data set. If we look back historically, markets such as the US and the UK are much lower in terms of volatility levels than the likes of South Africa and Italy. This is because their inflation figures are much lower 
and markets such as those in the US and the UK haven't experienced as many issues, in fact nowhere near as many issues, with hyperinflation and extreme devaluations in their currencies than the likes of South Africa and most importantly Italy as the uh, comparator. Average levels of inflation in the period of 1900 to 2014 in the US and the UK were 2.9% and 3.9% respectively. Despite these much lower levels of inflation, their average annualized real equity returns performed at an impressive 6.5% in the US and 5.3% in the UK. That is very impressive. The US is a developed market experience as we just mentioned 2.9% of inflation in comparison to 6.5% of their real return the inflation has already been taken into account in this six and a half percent figure but it's still a very impressive figure considering South Africa had to cope with 4.9% of inflation and if we take out the inflation we look at say nominal returns this figure would have been 11.4% for the US, so that's decent. I think that the US has probably been the highest performer in terms of developed markets. South Africa doesn't really count as a developed market. It could probably be an emerging market still. I mean, some would argue whether it was, say, a, a frontier market, somewhere in between the two, the developed market and uh, a, an emerging market as well. What we're going to do before we head off though, is we're going to have a look at historical bond returns from the same period. Just for those who don't know what bonds are, bonds are effectively loans made to entities, whether institution or governmental, of which revolve around either variable or set interest payment terms made by the borrower. And uh, in the period measured, as we've just mentioned, 1900 to 2014, are a really important measure of historical returns. Interest rates on the 10-year treasury bond, the US 10-year treasury bond that is, had been much higher in the past, particularly in the 1970s to the 1980s. The yield had been 5.7% in March 1971 and 15.82% in September 1981. These data points, as we've just mentioned now, are just courtesy of the CNBC quotes and uh, the data at current, if we look at the current uh, interest rate on the 10-year bond, we can see a yield of 1.53%. And the furthest back the data we can access is 1953 to current. So the graph that uh, we are just looking at right now, as I mentioned, you can find it on CNBC. If you just type down US 10 year yield, it shows a eventual collapse. And that basically is a result of lower interest rates, a global macroeconomic environment that has basically lowered interest rates to a point where, who knows, we could be visiting near zero soon. But at the moment, all is important to consider is the fact that you may actually be getting more of a yield in short-term bonds. I should probably talk briefly about bills. Bills are certain types of assets where they have maturities. They're like bonds, but the maturities are in a year or less. With bonds, they're usually 10 years usually 30 years that kind of thing so with bills you would not usually expect to lose 
that much, but you wouldn't expect to gain that much either, due to the nature of the maturities. As I said, treasury bonds are usually long-term investments that have maturity dates some 10 to 30 years in the future from their original issue dates, but bills usually have maturities of a year or less. So that is really the main difference. We'll look at some returns before we head off and we'll continue this conversation tomorrow. We'll say talk. Well, with bonds, we haven't looked at their returns yet. We must remember best case scenario, 3.3% real returns a year. Remember equities were around 7.4% and bills we're going to go on to later. That will be in tomorrow's episode. And uh, we've noted that a lot of these assets mentioned lag behind equities. Why is that you may ask? Well, you have to encounter a lot more volatility, a lot more risk and just situations that aren't that favorable as an investor. But anyways, I've been your host, Ryan Kier. This has been the Quantium Cast. If you haven't already, make sure that you sign up on our website at quantumresearch.co.uk for some bonus content and updates on any new podcasts coming up. And we've got some interviews coming up soon, and hopefully we'll be able to get them out over the next couple of weeks, maybe a month or so. But uh, to end on that note, I've got to catch my train. Until next time.